Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Ben Samuels, and this is another episode of Coffee and Liquidity, the podcast that sits nicely at the intersection of curiosity and business. The American dream can mean so many different things to so many different people. There's no one right answer. There's no one right path forward. But let's talk about ways to set yourself up and your family up for financial freedom in the future. All right, so we've got a, a great episode of uh, Coffee and Liquidity coming at you on this uh, Thursday. A little, uh, little bit of a tweak. Uh, we're just recording this one uh, uh, directly off air and going to be uploading this later in the week uh, to the podcast apps. So uh, you'll uh, be finding that uh, when this uh, airs, probably sometime early uh, early next week. Uh, looking forward to uh, digging in with Braden Windham, the founding partner and co-founder of Well Capital out of Dallas, a real estate investment firm that also has some strong ties into the water market and, um, and uh, looking to solve some of the crises in that uh, that realm as well. Uh, with that, Braden, going to go ahead and uh, bring you on here. Appreciate you taking the time. How are we doing today? Yeah, I'm doing well. Thank you very much for having me on. I, I really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to the, uh, to the conversation. Absolutely. So uh, a little bit before we uh, jumped on air today, we were talking about some of the things that we might get into. Uh, real estate investment, I mentioned you, know, you guys are heavily in- invested in uh, you know, solving some of the problems in the, in the water space. Before we get into that, mm-hmm. tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, you know, Who is Braden? Give me a little bit of history on, on who you are and uh, a little bit about how you got to where you are today. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I guess I grew up um, in Cedar Hill, Texas. Uh, I My first work experience was a, I mean, I was a ranch hand. Um, and I learned very quickly what it meant to, you know, work hard, work really hard for not a lot of money, um, which is kind of what I've always been taught is work hard. Yeah, I, I guess just work hard and, and collect a paycheck. And I realized really quickly that you know, I couldn't do that for very long. Um, that's just not really what I was built for. I mean, I, so that was my first intro into, I guess, what it meant to have your money work for you. And so college starts, I have these, fi- I have these financial classes or real estate investment classes. And um, everybody's teaching me about single family investments and how you can buy a house and flip it or use the Burr method um, or you know, invest in real estate, but it has to be single family. And so, you know, I, that didn't really appeal to me as much as I guess I, I learned about multifamily through my partner, um, who I actually met at a church event, um, which was kind of a, a crazy thing because I typically wouldn't have gone to something. It was a it was an offsite kind of bonfire deal where um, met my partner and he just basically dropped, you know, five different books and a whole bunch of different podcasts in my lap and just said, Hey, you need to go read these. This has changed my life. Um, and at the time I had been praying, I had been, you know, trying to find something that I could latch onto and really, um, run with as far as a profession. And, um, so that's kind of how I started in the multifamily space. Um, and one of those books was called, uh, the tribe of millionaires. And it was basically teaching you the principle of that. You're the five people you surround yourself with. Um, you're the average of those five people. Um, and I just kind of really took that to heart and I cut out a lot of my friends. Um, and I just made the people that I surrounded myself with podcasts. So I was constantly listening, constantly learning. Um, but that's kind of how I started. And, you know, before I left college, we were under contract on our first, uh, multifamily deal. So 
before we dig into the real estate stuff, before we get into uh, to some of that uh, uh, minutia, I want to talk to you about the mindset stuff you, you, or mindset thing. You just really touched on something really important. I think people have heard that before, and it's you know something that's like easy to say, right? You're you are you know the sum of the, of the five people, or I guess the average of the five people you hang around uh, with the most, and it's it's easy to say like you know I'm going to cut people out of my life in order to make sure the people the five people around me are going to take me places. Talk to me about sort of what it actually meant to do that. Because I think it's really important to kind of take that and put some context around that, that this isn't just an idea. It's not some, some like easy thing to say. If, if yeah. you want to make these moves, you actually have to do it. And, and it's not easy. It's not comfortable, but it's it's necessary. I want you, I, I'd love to hear you talk about that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it, you're, you're absolutely right. It's, it's not easy. Um, and like I was, I was the typical college guy, I guess I was in a fraternity. I, I enjoyed partying. I enjoyed drinking on the weekends and, and, you know, I did everything your typical college fraternity person, um, did. And at, at one point I, you know, I, I read that book and I just, it just kind of hit a different spot in my heart that I was like, I've got to make like a complete change. So I, I stopped going to parties. I stopped, you know, I, I locked myself in my room for hours, whether it would be to learn or to, um, yeah, I guess mostly learning or, um, just started to work on what I wanted to build this company to. Um, and no, but you're absolutely right when you say that, you know, I feel like a lot of people say that and then you look at their five friends or you look at the five people they surround themselves with and it's still, you know, lower than what they want to be. So when I, when I looked at the space, I, I, I wanted to surround myself with not only people that were like-minded, but people that were ahead of me. Um, and that's really what I think propelled me forward and continues to propel me forward and just getting in a room where I feel like I don't belong, um, getting in a room where I feel like I'm the dumbest in the room. Um, and I'm okay with that. And it's, you know, that, that's a big mindset change, uh, for me is, is being okay with being, um, asking a lot of questions and being dumb. Um, I don't mind it anymore. Yeah, no, having the comfortability with that is, is incredibly impactful. And you're absolutely right. I mean, I I very similarly, I mean, I, I make sure, I'm pretty intentional about making sure that I'm j- almost always, you know, I, I hesitate to say one of the dumbest because that's not true. But no, one of the, yeah, that's one not of the right the, wording, one, of, one, of the, you know, one of the least successful people in the room. You know, I, yeah, I, I want to I make sure that I always have people right, right around me that I can see that are doing things wildly better than I am. Because right. if, if, if you're not, you get complacent and you start to like think like, oh, I can throttle back or oh, I can start doing less or, or right. oh, like, oh, I'm there. And, and I don't know about you, but anytime I ever have that feeling in my brain, and like if I, sometimes you have that, you know, that gut feeling like you close a big deal or, you know, something, something big happens and you're like, like you, you kind of have, to, you take a breath and it's like, no, you got to reset. And it's like, it's, it's time, it, you know, you got to take the next step. This, you know, yeah. you, you, if you, if you start to kind of lay back and, and rest in your loyal laurels, I think that's the easiest way for the whole thing to kind of start to crumble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. And I think like, at least for me, I, a big part of that was setting, I guess, BHAG goals up front, like big, hairy, audacious goals. And, and those goals continue to grow because I surround myself with people who have bigger goals than I do. And I'm like, well, what's wrong, what's wrong with me? I need to make my goals bigger. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with you when you say that. So let's talk about that a little bit more. So um, what are some of the things that you uh, – actually, let me – before that. How old are you? You seem, you seem relatively young. What, um, yeah, just turned twenty four. 
Wow, that's yeah, you know, that, that's incredibly young. I mean, so you're you're doing a lot at a young age. I was going to ask you what would you tell your like twenty year old self, but like twenty year old self was like <laughs> yesterday. Too long ago. That that was like right. yesterday, and so. Uh, let me ask you a different way. What are some things that you do on a relatively consistent basis to make sure that you're in the right mindset, that you're doing the right things, that you're focused in the right places? What are some of the things in your process that you started to do and implement? You, talk, you talked about listening to a lot of podcasts. What are some mm-hmm. things maybe that you've implemented from those? Talk to me about some of the things that you've done to kind of fortify this mindset that you have. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love that you brought that up. I, I think the one thing that's been consistent with, I mean, this was before I found multifamily. This is before I, you know, this was in high school even. And I, I mean, the one thing that really, I feel like set my mind or I guess put my mindset in the right place for the day is, um, the miracle morning by hell Elrod. And that has, I mean, and I, if, if you guys don't know, it's basically the savers, um, and you, it's a silence. So some form of whether it's meditation or it's prayer, um, affirmations. So writing down that uh, your I am statements, um, that kind of thing, uh, visualization, um, where you are basically thinking about what you want your future to look like. Uh, so some form of exercise, uh, and then reading, which like I, I strive to read a book a week. Um, and I've done that for the past three years. Um, and then scribing because I, I don't think you could figure out uh, you know how to fit writing into that so it's scribing but I guess just journaling about um, your wins for the day or you know really whatever it is you just just writing it down and putting it on paper whether it's your goals or or just about you know three things you're grateful for um, that type of thing did you uh, did you go through the Cutco program did you uh, do Cutco as a, as a college student no no I didn't no but I, I've heard uh, of it. I think my brother did actually. But yeah, so so uh, and the reason I bring that up, and, and that might sound totally random, but the reason I bring that up is because Hal Elrod was actually a Cutco sales rep, was wildly successful in Cutco. That's sort of where he he. I think started to sort of gain the the sales notoriety and kind of start his his, his uh, story. Uh, and I actually um, uh, went to school with and then worked a little bit with. Um, you may be familiar with uh, Brianna Greenspan, who does Miracle Morning with Hal. Um, now um, I think uh, uh, Hal and Bri- Brianna do like a clubhouse every morning for the mor- Miracle Morning and all of that. Uh, but but I but I've you know I've known Brianna for, for for a really long time, so it's really interesting to hear you uh, you bring that up. I haven't heard I haven't I don't think I've heard someone talk about Miracle Morning outside of that Cutco realm in a really long time. Mm. That, that's that's fascinating. Um, no, yeah, I, I think that name at least rings a bell. Um, you said they run like a. I guess a Facebook group or is, is yeah, they've got fa- Facebook groups and all that. They, um, you know, she, I, I'm sure she runs a Facebook group. Uh, they, they do, you know, on clubhouse, they do one of those every morning. Mm. Um, yeah, that, you know, that's, that's interesting. Um, yeah. All right, folks. Appreciate you listening in. Appreciate the support. Appreciate you being with me. Let's talk about tossable digits. One of our affiliate partners with Alderon Ventures is Tossable Digits. It's similar to a Google voice, except that times 10. Now you can use it for anything sales ad tracking, workflow, real estate, any sort of follow-up you need, phone calls, text messaging. The kicker here though, Tossable Digits allows you to get a local number in up to 60 different countries. There's no contracts anytime, cancel anytime. It's a fantastic platform, super easy to use. You gotta check it out. Tossable Digits, learn more about it, alderonventures.com backslash affiliate dash partners. One more time, that is alderonventures.com backslash 
affiliate dash partners, A-L-D-E-R-A-A-N-V-E-N-T-U-R-E-S.com backslash affiliate dash partners. And now let's get you back to the show. Yeah, you know, it's, it's uh, again, it sounds like we're, we're pretty similar. I mean, you know, I don't do the miracle morning, but, uh, but you know, I, I start my day pretty early and, and have some of that mm-hmm. meditation and some of that re- relaxation and sort of mind reset stuff, you know, ingrained into into the routine, which which I think is incredibly impactful. Somebody asked me on a pre- previous podcast, you know, uh, what's one thing that I do on a consistent basis that I uh, that I think is you know is the most impactful to my bottom line, and you know, for the for 10 to 15 minutes every single day at the end of my workday, I'll make a checklist, a to-do list of two or three large ticket items and a few smaller ticket mm-hmm. items that I have to get done the next day so that when yeah. I sit down at the desk, I've got something immediately that – like you know how some days you wake up and you're not exactly – or you can be not exactly sure like what you should be doing or what really is the first thing to do when you get in the office? I've sort of corrected right. that by making sure that I create myself those, those action items. And I think little things like that, they sound so simple and they are. Uh, but but the the impact can be massive. Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. No, I'm I'm a big believer in that, and just having because I like in in my business, I feel like there's so many things that you could attach to and just run with, or whether it be investor relations or finding deals or whatever it is. And there's so many things every day that you could get drowned out, or you could just you know get way too busy and not get any of it done, or stay on phone calls all day when really you need to get these three things done. So I'm, I'm a big believer in the, I guess, big three and writing those three things down and, and tracking that type of progress. So it sounds like we're pretty similar in that sense. Yeah. I mean, especially with COVID and everything uh, you know, that sort of changed with all the Zoom meetings and everything in the last year and a half, it's really easy or I found it very easy to be busy, but not productive. Mm. And I think Absolutely. that's a very big difference, right? Because, you know, yeah, you can spend – there were – I mean, there were probably weeks to, uh, during COVID where I spent the entirety of the work week on Zoom calls. Those, I mean, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, they can be productive. But by and large, you're not actually getting, like, work done, right? There's no right. deliverable work product coming from a Zoom meeting. You might get a deal done or you might – you know, it might be impactful. But, but there still needs to be that, like, time at the desk to do stuff. Um, right. Right. Okay. No, All right. Absolutely. So, so let, let's pivot a little bit and start talking about the uh, the real estate. Uh, before we dig in, uh, yeah. tell us a little bit about Well Capital and, and how you guys approach the the, uh, the real estate market from an investment thesis at a macro level, and then we'll just kind of go from there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Well Capital kind of came to be, um, we were initially, um, Oakstone Capital was our, our, our name before Well Capital, but Well Capital, Preston and I, uh, my partner just kind of woke up one day. Uh, we realized that we were both giving to the same charity um, personally on a personal level. And we were just like, why don't we make this a company wide partnership with Charity Water, which is who we've you know, chosen to partner with. And they basically bring clean water to people who have never had it in developing countries. Um, so that's kind of, and we've rebranded our entire business around that and making that fun for investors to see that their dollars are going toward that. Um, even down to the property level, when we take over, um, you know, we will rebrand that property well or the well at, you know, wherever we're at, um, to show that, you know, as people pay their rent on time, um, they're bringing clean water to somebody. And if, you know, that, that's pretty impactful, I, I think. Um, but yeah, so I guess our investment thesis, we are um, multifamily investors. We 
typically look at any type of property over 50 units um, just for economies of scale. Um, we are looking for some type of value add play to be had where there is um, insufficient management in place where we can uh, come in, you know, provide a better community to the tenants there. And um, some, you know, we, we typically do some type of renovation to the units that you know, sometimes haven't been touched in years. Um, you know, people with, you know, 50 style cabinets and, um, you know, they're, they're ceiling caving in and stuff like that. And so we'll come in and we'll br bring in new cabinets, new flooring, uh, paint walls, um, just kind of a full upgrade um, and do the same thing to the exterior. Uh, but we'll typically look to um, find that type of meat left on the bone for a deal. Um, and then we will uh, reposition it and then refinance it um, within, you know, typically three years or so. Uh, and we plan to hold for 10 is our, is our thesis. That, that's great. I re appreciate that. Uh, and one more time, um, what, uh, what's sort of the, uh, the acquisition size or deal size or, or uh, uh, asset size you guys are targeting? Yeah. So um, depending on the area, I'd say our sweet spot is over a hundred units. Um, but we, we'll dip down to 50 depending on the management that's in place or the management that we could bring in and the groups that we could bring in that we feel comfortable with. Um, but deal like deal pricing size, I'd say anything over, I'd say our, our sweet spots, 5 million and over as far as our deal size. And I mean, with a, um, an owner operate model or at least you know, own and operate for, for 10 years, um, mm. you know, what, what is your what's your commentary, I guess, in what you've seen in the market over the last eighteen months? Um, and and where do you think that this uh, this runaway market is sustainable? Do you think that we're in a bubble? Give me some give me some very high level perspective on you know what have you seen in the last eighteen months, and what do you think you're going to see in the next thirty six? Maybe maybe answer it that way. Yeah, um, that's a that's a loaded question, and nobody has a crystal ball, um, so I'm not going to try to act like I do. Um, but I, I oh I oh just to be clear I didn't I didn't ask you what the right answer was nobody knows I think <laughs> just well, I don't know what you think <laughs> right um, so I, I guess my my opinion on it is that we are inflated um, I've seen people go into properties and raise rents four hundred dollars before touching anything which mm -hmm. is insane it's insane um, I I think that it will slow down I think people that are I think prices, you know, cap rates have definitely compressed um, across major markets, primary markets in particular, um, and I think it's got to stop. And I think the the people that are underwriting conservatively and know what that downturn might look like are, will be okay um, because I don't think it goes down. I think it I think it levels out. But you know, if you're up in the if you're projecting twenty percent rent growth. Uh, you know, year one, um, and little to no renovation plan. Um, you know, you may get bit when when stuff starts to slow down. So, in that sense, I think you'll see a lot of people that do get pinched. You know, based on their underwriting. Um, but as far as as far as a, I guess crash. I don't really see a crash. I see a, a leveling out. Um, hmm. okay. So that's kind of that's kind of my viewpoint on it. And I may be wrong and we underwrite as if I were wrong. Um, 
Like I, I mean, we plan on cap rates, I guess, decompressing, you know, 10 basis points a year. Um, just making sure that when we exit, it's, it's a, you know, that our plan can go to plan, even if the market does kind of turn. So, mm -hmm. Have you guys, you mentioned underwriting. I mean, have you guys changed your underwriting process at all in the last 18 months? Are, are you, you know, are you thinking about maybe doing that if, if uh, this or that KPI comes through? I mean, it, it, what's the underwriting process look like? Yeah, I mean, we've definitely changed a lot. I mean, just because of deals, I mean, I feel like deals have been very hard to come by, um, at least good mm -hmm. deals, because, you know, people will bring a deal to a broker and their job is to make it as expensive as possible for the buyer. Um, so I, you know, I'm, it's definitely changed. Like before, before COVID really, we, we found deals that were like our, our first deal we bought at, I think 72 cents on the dollar when you look at just ARV and that type of thing. Mm -hmm. And so deeply discounted. Um, and now you're not really seeing that. So you're having to go in and for us, it's, it's almost like we have to take a really deep dive on some of the things we're assuming as far as rent growth, as far as market appreciation, um, really assuming no market appreciation and just kind of dealing with the forced appreciation we can make by upgrading units and raising rent um, in a conservative manner. So it's definitely changed. And I think we've also changed our hold time because we don't want to get caught um, you know, when things do go downhill or back to stabilize or back to, you know, a base level. Um, mm -hmm. so that's, that's really why we hold for 10 years because, you know, if, if we get pinched and we can't refinance in three, we can pay an extension and refinance in you know, four or five. So it's, it's not as, you know, I, I'd say our models to pretty flexible and our investors, um, you know, I, I think it's an investor appetite too, because our, our investors are okay with that type of hold um, and like mm -hmm. getting their money back. And, you know, once they get their money back, it's basically a cash flowing, you know, asset that, you know, they have no stake in and they can go put their money into something else and still get paid from this. Um, so it's, it's definitely changed. Um, whereas like our, our first model was a two to three year hold and we've, we've kind of, mm -hmm tinkered with a four to five year hold. So I think the long, I mean, more recently we've definitely been longer term investors and looking at a, a longer horizon. So um, your website talks about a, a commitment to allocate a portion of uh, the profits from the, you know, from the organization to, mm -hmm. uh, to helping the water crisis and, and you know, turning that, uh, Sorry, <laughs> um, help, helping that um, guy. I was going to ask you a different question. Totally uh, went different way. Um, talk me a little bit about. Talk me a little bit about that. You know, uh, uh, what you know, what does water mean to you? What, you know, where did that kind of come from? Because I, I find it fascinating that you know we have continued to see more and more uh, you know clim climate alarmist uh, you know, articles and, and attention, and we've started started to see more and more droughts and things that, that indicate a, a uh, you know a water starved nation. But it's still we don't seem as a country really to be focused on in any like macro level in any important conversations that I think are like. I don't think the average American that's living in middle America has any idea how no. dire the water table, the water problem is in the Western United States. I don't think they have any clue. And then if you go to the coasts, they have no, like no clue whatsoever. Mm. I'm curious, 
um, you know, I, and so I know I just got on my soapbox a little bit, but yeah. Uh, so the question there on the uh, at the uh, beginning here is talking about why you know, Braden, why is water so important to you, and what's the company doing uh, to hopefully change that? Yeah, so I guess it it really starts with um, charity water, and I I was introduced to them through a. Uh, a friend, or I, I guess my business partner actually introduced me to him to begin with. And, um, you know, I, they have like a 20 minute video about the impact of, of water. And, you know, you may think like, oh, 20 minutes, but that, that 20 minutes truly changed what I saw as far as like, oh, I can just get water out of my sink or hot water in my shower. And most people have to go 10 miles walking mm -hmm. and then carry it back. And it's like, when you realize that I think there was a statistic where it was like dirty water has killed more people than every war in history combined, which is insane to me. And we just take it for granted. You know, we have water bottles or you fill up a water bottle in the fridge and you just drink it throughout the day. It's normal. But um, when you put that into perspective and then you realize that, you know, 700 and I think it's like 785 million people don't have clean water. Like that's mm -hmm. a, that's a pretty significant number. Um, and so I think just seeing those numbers and then, I mean, he has a, the founder of charity water has a book, uh, called thirst. Um, and it was an incredible read. It's, it's just about his story and how he, you know, founded the charity and, um, but yeah, I think just learning about what they're doing and then wanting to, he's very entrepreneurial in spirit and just the way he founded his company. Um, I think just learning about that really sparked it inside of me to, you know, try to make a difference with our company. And so we've, we've pledged to, um, give 10% of, you know, everything we make gross as operators to charity water. Um, so we've funded, uh, three projects in Madagascar so far. So we're, we're pretty excited about that. That's fantastic. I, I, I love that. And you're right. Um, so it looks like uh, looking at the website, it looks like there um, are, yeah, 785 million people that lack uh, the basic, basic access to uh, clean and safe drinking water. And mm. uh, at current charity water has funded 78,350 water projects so servicing over 13 million people in 29 countries, and so I mean, that, that's a that's a fantastic footprint and impact, mm -hmm. uh, and, and a great organization. And uh, I'll make sure to link uh, Charity Water and uh, a number of the other uh, links that you uh, that you sent over, Braden, uh, in the show notes. And so anyone that wants to uh, learn more about the organization, donate, jump in, and, and get involved, you you can uh, find out more information uh, below. It'll be below there. All right. Um, so, so let's go back and, and uh, talk a little, a little bit more about uh, real estate here. We've got a, another uh, 10 minutes or so. Before we uh, go forward, though, I want to take a quick pause and, uh, Braden, tell people where they can find out more information about yourself, uh, Well Capital, if they want to uh, you know, follow up with you, where can they reach out? Yeah. Um, so our website is wellcapitalinvest.com. Um, you can either... Uh, go there and you can find, um, you know, you can schedule a call with us, whether you're interested in, um, you know, investing in real estate or, or passively investing in real estate. Um, you know, we're always happy to help and, and provide value any way we can. So um, we have a call link on our website or you can um, email us at connect at wellcapitalinvest.com. So you, got, you guys are currently working on uh, multifamily real estate. Is that um, 
are you are you looking at getting into any of these ancillary markets? I know that like self storage units have become incredibly hot and popular over the last year. There's a, n- a number of other uh, you know sort of other niche markets that uh, that have seen sort of a similar ramp up. Or are you guys focused here? And that's really what the fund uh, you know the fund's intent is. Right. You know, I, I've definitely thought about it. Um, Especially, yeah, I, I love mobile home parks. I love the idea of self-storage. Um, so those are the two areas I am interested in. But, you know, I, if, if I've learned anything, it's, it's that you focus on one thing and just get really good at it. Um, so I, I, I don't necessarily know the nuances to underwriting those type of asset classes. Um, I'm sure they're not too different. I mean, possibly, but, you know, I, I, I feel like I've just... Right now, we're, we're focused on multifamily. Um, I know how to underwrite that. I know how to be conservative in that. And, you know, we've always looked at it like you know, people are always going to have a, or need a place to live. Um, and as, as home prices get more expensive, you know, more, more and more people are going to need to rent. Um, and that demand's only going up, in my opinion. So multifamily is, is kind of what we're focused on for sure. What would you say to anybody listening to the podcast today that uh, has you know isn't in real estate, uh, maybe you know doesn't have a great credit score, doesn't have a ton of money in the bank, isn't very liquid, mm-hmm. but is looking to get into real estate, looking to diversify the portfolio, looking to you know to learn a little bit more about this? What are some things? Mm-hmm. Maybe not even necessarily investment advice. What are some things that you would tell that person? What What are some tips? What are some things that they should? What are some resources? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a, that's an awesome question. Uh, I would say number one thing is the power of people. I, I like none of this could be possible if I hadn't have found amazing partners or, and, and I've honestly been punched in the face by partners and, and just knowing who to partner with and the right questions to ask. Um, none of it would have been possible. So when you're getting started, I guess it's, it's important that, you know, you, you look at, you know, you listen to as many podcasts as possible. And what I did, I reached out to every guest and I just sent them an email or if they left a phone number, even better, I just give them a call, you know, wanted to talk through, um, how they started, what they were doing, how I could help. And if you lead with how you can be valuable to somebody, um, I've found that that can open doors that you never thought could could be open. Um, so I would say just always lead with value, uh, offer something before you try to take. And um, yeah, I mean, there are plenty of multifamily podcasts. I can, I mean, Rod Khalif's is kind of the one that that I got started with. Uh, mm-hmm. So just instead of listening to music in the car, you know, turn on a an audio book or a podcast and. It's, it's really about education. You know, you don't need very much to buy a $10 book, um, but it can change your life for sure. Absolutely. No, that's, that's all fantastic. Um, you know, I think I really, uh, I think one of the first podcasts that really spoke to me uh, was uh, Bigger Pockets. Uh, you know, I'm sure mm. you've uh, listened to that yeah. one as well. Um, yep. you know, and uh, yeah, there, there's so many, so many different resources and, and uh, you know, really Braden, I mean, you know, there, there are so many different ways in real estate to, you know, get a contract on an, on an asset and be, and be able to flip it whole, uh, to a wholesaler with, with no money down. And, and there, there's, mm-hmm. there's so, so many other sort of, there's other ways to, to, you know, get your toes in the water without putting a, yeah. a big check on the table. Right. And so I, right. I think, I think that's one of the things that I love about the real estate market 
as much you know uh, as uh, as much as I do because you know you can't you can't go like start you know a, a wealth fund or you can't go start a car wash you can't go like you know start a driving range you can't go do a lot of these businesses without having a lot of capital or without having good credit mm. and a, uh, and and uh, you know and some capital or you know and um, ability to get a loan all these things yeah. but in real estate there's a lot of ways to get in with 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 just just what's up here just knowledge yeah. and 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 grinding it out right and, and that's yeah. and that's something I um you and I were talking a little bit you, you asked me sort of what was maybe a, a, um a big tip I, you know, I could give you on the podcast is kind of what do we want to talk about. And one of the things mm-hmm. that I said was, you know, just sort of, sort of the ethos behind this show is the, you know, I, I want to talk kind of against the what I consider sort of a bastardization of the American dream in the sense that I think the country has sort of started to fantasize and um, and uh, fetishize to a degree the entrepreneur route and the wildly successful, you know, incredibly wealthy, uh, you know, the, uh, and, and you know, working eighty hours a week and all these things to the point to the point where I think as a country we have sort of lost the the focus on. In my opinion, I think that you should be able to work a, uh, nine to five, forty hours a week, be a, you know, be a family man, have a you know good uh, you know a, a faith based relationship with God, and have a living where you don't have to worry about the next paycheck or where rent's going to come from, or you're going out yeah. to, to eat with friends or whatever. And, and I think that you know that sort of that that access, there's things that you can do in real estate that you can have that nine to five because you don't have to be an entrepreneur. You don't have to start your own company. You can have a nine to five and be a real estate investor. This can be yeah. purely passive income, right? This doesn't even need to be an active income stream. You, you have started a no. fund and, and this is an active, obviously, this is what you wake up, eat, breathe and sleep every day. But but yeah. in the real estate market, it doesn't have to be that way. You, this can be no. purely passive and purely just knowledge based. And that's something that, right. you know, I, I love that. Yeah, no, and just I guess to touch on that a little bit is it's uh it's the one industry that I think you are paid based on the value you bring instead of just hey, I got, you know, I got hired by this company and whether or not that I put in effort, you know, I'm going to get a paycheck. Um and yeah, you have to stay hired. Um but there's really no there's a there's a difference between, you know, what I know up here and the, the amount of, or, or the check that somebody writes me. Um, so that's what I love about this industry. And I guess like for me, the way that I got involved in my first two or three deals was I found the deal and that's it. Mm-hmm. I just found a deal. I didn't bring money. I didn't, well, I guess I did bring money. I raised money, but to get into my first general partnership, it was one thing and I found a deal. So it's, it's really not, you know, I didn't have to have experience because I partnered with it. Um, so it's just, it's, it's a very easy entry. You know, you can find a deal. You can even be in a market that somebody's wanting to be in and you get on the phone and you say, Hey, I will be your boots on the ground. I'll be at your property every week. Um, you know, I'll take pictures of the progress and that's worth something, you know, that's worth five to 10% on a general partnership. And just mm-hmm. so that you can get into this any way, um, but it does take action. Um, but there's no reason you can't do it with a nine to five for sure. So am I allowed to ask you, Braden, you know, as, as a 24 year old, you're, you're obviously you're, you're clocking uh, deals. You started a fund. What's the... What's the ten-year plan? I mean, is it, is this a career move for you, or is this just the first thing that you sunk sunk your teeth into? And, and what's the 
yeah, wh- where do you see yourself going? I'm curious. Um, ten years. Uh, I guess I'd like to have a billion in real estate by the time I'm thirty. Um, okay. So that's kind of my my north star, I would say. But more than that, I mean, I I really would love to almost have a anti-financial advisor type role where, you know, I I love educating people on this because not only is it a, is it good returns on your money, but it's, it's tax efficient. Um, and I think a lot of people focus on the top line and what I can make in a year and how much I can make, you know, I got it right, but it's really how much can I keep? Um, Mm -hmm. and how much can I offset my income with depreciation? Um, and that's, that's really the magic of, of wealth building and things like the 1031 exchange where, um, you know, you can put, you can sell an asset and then put your money into another asset and not pay taxes. Um, and there's just no other vehicle out there that allows that. Um, and I, so I think to, to, I guess wrote back in, answer your question. I think I would love to see this industry, at least syndications, multifamily, be more of a mainstream thing that people know about and are able to invest in more regularly. Because right now, the SEC makes it pretty tough to have people invest with us because there are a lot of regulations and um, certain things that we can and can't say about deals. Like, I can't just post a deal online unless it's structured a certain way. Whereas, you know, if, if I'm an, if I'm, you know, a Merrill Lynch advisor or you know, something like that, I, I have to, I mean, I, I don't have to do that. I can reach out to anybody. I can cold call. I can say, Hey, you know, would you, do you have a financial planner? But I can't really do that being, um, you know, in w- within SEC guidelines for sure. Right. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I, I guess that I, I'd like it to be more mainstream, um, I'd like a lot more people to know about it. So I see myself or at least our company being more in the education space as well. Um, not really wanting to monetize that, but more just hopefully being valuable to people and, and teaching people um, that there are different ways than just putting your money into a CD or you know some stock market fund that you don't actually know what's happening with your money. Um, and then the other thing is we would like to really make a dent in that 780, 85 million. So, um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'd like, I'd at least like to touch a million of that in the next five. So, um, that, that, that's a, that's a goal of mine as well. I love the, the, those are great. Um, I'd be lying if I, if I wasn't, if I didn't tell you that I was trying to tee you up for saying that you were going to buy Walmart because as a Bentonville <laughs> resident and like you're right next door, you could just, I mean, like that seems to be the gorilla in the room, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> maybe, maybe I got to see, I got to surround myself with, you know, higher, I guess, uh, more experienced people. And then maybe that would be my goal. Um, I mean, I a, bill- a billion by 30. I mean, you know, you could do a billion by 25. Yeah. Just, just 10 exit. Um, I guess that, that'd be passed, but, um, yeah, no, I mean, I think realistically, and I think that's a, I think if I could get to, you know, 300, 300 million in the next three, then we're, we're pretty close uh, to getting there. But other than that, I mean, I guess stretch goal. Wanted to take a quick break. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you're looking for your own fast and reliable, dedicated server, or maybe a domain at a fantastic price, hosting services, security, managed WordPress, 
whole range of innovations. Namecheap.com, it was started in 2000 with a mission to deliver the best domains at the best prices with the best service. And they have gone ahead and done that through and through over the last 20 years. Go ahead and check it out. AlderonVentures.com backslash affiliate dash partners. One more time, AlderonVentures.com backslash affiliate dash partners. A-L-D-E-R-A-A-N-V-E-N-T-U-R-E-S.com backslash affiliate dash partners. Namecheap.com. Check it out. I'd say buying the Saints. I want to buy the Saints um, at some point. I love, so I love that. I need to talk That's to, awesome. I need to talk put, to Miss Vincent about it. But, put it on the board. Braden Windham, buying the Saints at some point in the yeah, next yeah. however long. That, I, I, I love that. Um, yeah, I, I had to throw it out there. So, <laughs> so, um, so I really, you know, that that's fantastic, uh, Braden. I'm curious. Um, you know, as as young as you are, you may not have had experience in one, but um, you know, may be familiar with them. Do you have any thoughts on mastermind groups? Are you a part of one, maybe in the real estate mar- market? Uh, what are your thoughts? You mentioned again education and surrounding yourself with the yeah. right people. Um, have you have are you in are you in a mastermind group? If so, how is it? If not, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm in. Uh, I'm in multiple, um, and I get something from every single one I go into because it's. It's. I mean, they could offer nothing, but the fact that um, they have people that are willing to invest in their future, you want to be around those people. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm. I, I'm a part of, you know, masterminds that are hundreds a month and then you know some that are 10 grand a year and the i I feel like i I truly believe that the more expensive or i guess the more expensive a mastermind is the more you know the more people that are going to be there that you need to be around um, because they are serious about the people uh or they're they're serious about their their future and their mindset and i think that um like I said, it's, it's about who you surround yourself with. Um, I've had a pretty good experience with the ones I'm in, um, and at least fostering the relationships and people know that, um, you're in it for the long haul and you, and you, you don't look at it as a cost, but more of an investment, um, when it's a, you know, when it's a pretty expensive one. Um, but yeah, I, I, I have, I've, I've been happy with every single one I've been in. That's awesome. Uh, I love that. And uh, really the reason I asked that, because uh, I, I kind of thought the answer was going to be yes. The reason I asked yeah. that was sort of to codify the point that I think it's fascinating that there's, and I'm sure you see this as well, there's a lot of people that I think are incredibly sharp, very successful. Uh, you know, they, they, they've got it, quote unquote, figured out. They're on to, mm-hmm. on to something, but they, you know, they navigate against the grain in terms of the networking events and these mastermind groups because of the lack of value or the lack of, of execution. And I think it's fascinating that there, there just seems to be uh, you know, a lot of value left on the table. Uh, one of the things that I think about when, as I say that is, so I'm sure that, um, you know, just like myself, you probably listened to, you know, uh, Ed Millette, Andy Frisella, mm-hmm. uh, Grant Cardone, Ty Lopez, uh, you know, yep. uh, Lewis Howes, uh, you know, all those guys, right? Yeah. And, and uh, Tim Grover, all those guys. And I think yep. one of the things that I find so fascinating is that by and large, so take Grant Cardone, okay? By and large, you can ignore... 85% of the stuff that Grant Cardone says. But that 15% mm. 
is really good stuff. It's really impactful yeah. and it's really important. And if you Absolutely. can't ignore, if you can't ignore the noise, then you're going to listen to everything he says. You're going to be like, "This guy's a hack. He's ridiculous. Get get you know, get off my lawn," because you're because you're listening to the eighty five, right? Now, right. if you're if you listen to like a Tim Grover, I think it's much closer to like flipped. I mean, most of the stuff that Tim mm. Grover says is really good, and there's some stuff that's like a little bit out there that you can ignore. Yeah. But I think the reason I say the reason I'm bringing up and, and the reason I bring it up in the context of the mastermind is because mm. I don't think that going in there with the expectation that okay I'm, I'm you know and you mentioned like ten grand a year that's actually I hesitate to say on the low end but that's on the lower no, end of, not, some, of some of these yeah. right it is it, I mean you know some of them are pretty I mean they can get up there and that like as soon as I you know am at a place where I can reinvest and like that's the first place I'm reinvesting um, and I. You know, I, I completely believe that, you know, if you're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars a year on your education and reinvesting into that type of stuff, it's uh, it comes back to you for sure. That's exact. That's exactly right. I mean, the thing that I say, and I picked this up from a colleague of mine, um, the thing that I say more often or most often is think about it this way. So let's say just use easy math. Let's say that the executive mastermind cost you 50 grand a year. OK, that's not mm. cheap. That's a that's a number. So you can yeah. either take the executive mastermind and assuming it's fifty grand, you know, if it's fifty grand a year, I'm, I'm going to assume for this for the sake of this exercise that it's impactful that there's value there, right? You can take the mastermind that has twenty industry professionals that are going to help you know solve your problems or, or you know uh, do what the mastermind does, or on the other side of the coin, for fifty grand for the year, you can hire an executive assistant. Which one of those two is going to drive the bottom line the most? And yeah, yes. an executive assistant is important and that's yeah. valuable. But out of those two things, which one is really going to bring more money into the building? Yeah. And if you think about it that way, a $50,000 a year executive uh, mastermind, it's like cheap. It, it's not much money at all be, be, you yeah. know, because it, if, if – and so I think it's important to sort of look at it through that context because, yeah, you know, if you're spending ten grand a year and you're just lighting it on fire, like that, that sucks, mm-hmm. right? But if it's just about the value of the money – I think it, to your point, I think you're exactly right. I think it's some of the best money you can spend. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. And I think the more that you can well, within those masterminds, I mean, not only are you reinvesting in yourself and that money will come back to you, but also if you go into those with a servant attitude and try to provide value to people within it, it's only going to multiply that number. And I think, um, I, I think that's the way you should approach a mastermind. Um, and typically it's going to come back tenfold and people are going to be pretty happy to know you if you can, if you can uh, give them some sort of value. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Braden, I think that's a great place to, to stop uh, here uh, one more time. Really appreciate you taking the time and, and joining me today. Um, yeah, I know we absolutely. talked about I know you already talked about getting your partner on uh, here in the next few weeks, and so uh, if you enjoyed today, maybe you'll give him uh, the thumbs up that that, uh, that I'm not I'm not too intimidating that he can come on <laughs> yeah, as well. <laughs> absolutely, I think I think he has a great story, and um, yeah, no, I absolutely uh, enjoyed it today, and I'm sure he will too. So uh, yeah, thank you very much for inviting me on. I, I'm very thankful for that. Absolutely, absolutely, uh, and Braden, looking forward to uh, you know to following your story and, and well capital and, and uh, seeing yeah. the impact that you guys are making both in the real estate market, but also you know uh, changing the world uh, with uh, the commitment to charity water as well. It's all fantastic absolutely. stuff. Uh, make sure to uh, follow up uh, you know with uh, with Braden. Anybody listening, uh, you know, the, uh, go to the show notes. The links will be down there. 
Absolutely. Hope you have a good rest of your day, all right? Yeah, you do the same. All right, and that is a wrap. I am your host, Ben Samuels. This has been another episode of Coffee and Liquidity. Appreciate the support. Appreciate you guys showing up. Go ahead and check out alderonventures.com for more information about what we've got going on and future episode releases. Thanks, guys.